Uh, Ian Trottier here. Phoenix Convention Center, Turning Point USA, uh, Arizona. I'm with... Um, State Representative Mark Finchel. State Representative Mark Finchel. I have to repeat that so I can let that sink in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mark and I are just talking about the CDC. And one of the things that uh, alerted Mark uh, to what my comments in regards to starting this program, I'm now five years into it, was the con- contradiction from the CDC in Miami Beach in 2016 in regards to the Zika virus. Uh, repeat for listeners, Mark, what you had just said about your opinion of it and what your knowledge is of the CDC. Well, I don't trust the CDC any further than I can throw them. Uh, I think that what they've done, they have demonstrated that um, they're more interested in seeing to it that the, the financial interests of Big Pharma are protected uh, as opposed to the, the people of the United States. So, you know, there's a, a significant moral hazard when uh, individuals who are in a regulatory body there's an argument as to whether or not the CDC is actually a regulatory body. The FDA is the regulatory body. But the CDC has an input into what the FDA does. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's a quasi-government organization, right? It's not it's, even officially a government organization. I'm not sure exactly what classification it is, but it really disturbs me when you have individuals who are supposed to be, I'm sorry, who are on the government dime, the people's dime, um, who are have a hand in regulation, and they also have the ability to be an investor in the very company that, or companies, class of companies, um, that they are supposed to be regulating. So there's a moral hazard there. Do you serve your own interests, or do you serve the interests of the people? If you're owning stock in Big Pharma, and you're supposed to regulate and, and call out Big Pharma to protect the people, but you're receiving dividends and stock and you know rollovers and uh, we got a problem with that. And I think that that should be um, the same thing that uh, insider trading, for example. Right. How is it that a congressman can go into Congress, you know, with two shekels to rub together and comes out a multimillionaire? Insider trading. If. Many, I should say, there are at least a few, I want to put it this way, congressmen and women who have done the very same thing that Martha Stewart did, and they don't go to prison for it. How is it that people like Nancy Pelosi's husband, Diane Feinstein's husband, their families, Joe Biden's family, how is it that they get uber wealthy when they're allegedly servants of the people? Well, it's because they've positioned themselves to be there uh, to get the drippings, if you will, off of the fat of the roast. That's why. So that's my big issue with the CDC. They have, uh, through this whole uh, COVID thing, they've yeah. proven to me that they have, they can't be trusted. They cannot be trusted. And I don't trust them. I don't trust the word that they say. They know full well that these masks that everybody's running around with do not do a damn thing because of the weave of the mask does not stop the level of particulate matter that comes out of one's uh, exhaust gauge out of their mouth. Yet, they require everybody wear a mask. It's not about health care. It's about compliance. We're going to mandate that you wear a mask. Control. Control. Here's my response to that. Bugger off. Ain't one 
Mark, is 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 is, is COVID nineteen? Is this a you with a ninety nine percent survival rate or ninety eight percent whatever it is? Is this a real true pandemic or is there something engineered behind this that is that is again uh, uh, objective? Uh, the objective might be control. And let me insert this: there's a, there's an archbishop out of out of Rome. His name is Vigano. Uh, that wrote a letter to Donald Trump while he was in office stating that the COVID-19 pandemic was engineered. I have a lot of respect for the Archbishop. I'm not a Catholic, but I tell you what, that man is an international hero. He's an international hero because he has called out what this is really about. Think about, let's walk through the whole vaccine thing for a moment, okay? First of all, they come out with a vaccine, and it's like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna save her. It's gonna prevent you from getting COVID, and it's the best thing ever. And we got a whole bunch to choose from. Okay, the next thing you know, they 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 tried the encouragement path, and that that worked for some, but the majority of people said, yeah. And then of course you get this idiot Fauci come out and say, well, we got to have herd immunity, and the vaccine. Herd immunity is when you actually have the disease. You get over it, you develop antibodies, and your, your body prepares for the next iteration of that disease. So they went from encouraging people, oh, this is going to make you better. It'll keep you from getting sick. To Then they had to, it's kind of like when you're on standby for an airline flight and they've oversold the flight. They start with flight vouchers at 100 bucks, then they go to 250 then they go to $500. So now they've gone from an incentive for people to take the jab. Previously it was, well, we'll, we'll give you a $100 gift card to take it. Right. And then they went to $300. And then it's like, free tickets to the Super Bowl. And that didn't work. So then they went to, well, now it's going to have to be a mandatory jab. You're going to have to take a jab or, keep, or lose your job. We're going to force the military to give up their civil rights to take the jab. And if you don't take the jab, we're going to give you a dishonorable discharge. Wait a minute. For refusing an unconstitutional order. Really? That's what your plan is. So now we're at this place where I think the CDC has proven this isn't about public health. This is about political health. There are individuals, and I'm not a conspiracy guy. I mean, this is just, but there are some no, no coincidences. There are people who want to uh, exert their power, their authority through mandates over the people. And I think the people are on to them. And now they're kind of in freak out mode. It's like, well, we're gonna have a, a, a new generation of this disease and it's gonna be worse than ever. Omicron. Yeah, so, Delta. so there's this, uh, there's this old adage of the boy who cried wolf. I think we've heard wolf cried so many times, and you brought it up earlier. You know, why is it that we're trying to vaccinate 100% of the population when 99.8% survived this with little or no side effects? I mean, yeah, I've, I had it back in December. It was tough. I was sick for a couple of weeks, had a headache, got really sick, lost some weight. Oh, that's right. Same thing happened to me when I had the flu a couple of years ago. So it makes me very suspicious 
especially when they start to change the definition of a vaccine. Well, now it's an injection. An inoculation? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just not buying. This is junk science. In fact, I don't even know that you can call it science. Um, they've not done proper clinical trials. Every day they're coming out with some study that says it inflames the heart. You shouldn't use it on eight, kids aged two to five. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. If it was so bloody safe, why is it that Big Pharma gets a pass on anybody dying from it or having material right. medical problems? So I, I just... Or you can thank I'm, Ronald Reagan for that, right? I'm not going to... How so? How so? No, you can thank oh. Ronald Reagan for... Well, the pharmaceutical, it's, uh, it was a, I think it was a 1984 bill that, that, that oh, if you're vaccine that. injured, you can't go after the yeah. pharmaceutical company. Yeah, I wholly disagree with that bill. Wholly disagree with that law. I think it's wrong. You should be accountable for what you do to people, period. And to force them to have a vaccination, to force them to put something into their body that they choose not to, that's a violation of human rights, my friend. That is a human rights violation, and I refuse to put that crap in my body, and I refuse to surrender my right to say no, and God help anybody that tries to force me into it. Mark, uh, it's probably been eight weeks now. I had Congressman, House of Representative, uh, Florida, Florida, Anthony Sabatini. I know. Uh, well, I've talked to you. Your email, I'll talk to Mr. Sabatini, but I haven't actually connected with him. So, Anthony joined my show, and I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you the same question. Okay. And I want you to respond, uh, I want you to respond how, uh, you know, whatever, what's natural to you. What, what, what do you think of the U- United States Federal Reserve Central Bank? I think it's a farce. I think they're printing fake money, and they know it. What they're trying to do is keep, keep, a fractional banking system alive that they've injected, they've juiced the economy with so much fiat paper. I mean, that's one of the reasons uh, five years ago, I ran a bill in Arizona uh, to make uh, gold and silver legal tender specie. Meaning, in the state of Arizona, if you want to exchange um, paper currency for gold or silver coins or rounds or ingots or whatever, gold and silver is just another currency. That's not, it's not taxable. You're not buying silver. You don't buy $10 bills when you break a $100 bill into 10 bills. You're not buying $10 bills. You're exchanging them. And that's what we have now in Arizona. Um, I, I looked you have that now as a law? I got that bill passed. Signed in a law in Arizona. Yep. That's headway. I had no idea. Because yeah. I knew... In my heart of hearts, that one day we would arrive where we are at today. Okay, so Anthony says, Ian, it's unconstitutional, it needs to be repealed. Where I, I agree. Where have you where have we arrived? We have so much fiat currency in the system. Thirty almost a thirty trillion dollar federal debt. Yeah, and they just keep on printing. They got a print machine, they got paper, they got ink. I guess that's all they need to have. Oh, wait a minute. What an authorization uh, to base your money on real assets. Intrinsic. Intrinsic assets. 
in landline. Unless, of course, we find out someday, and who knows, I don't, I'm not aware of any law that's done this, but could that be why uh, the current occupant of the White House wants to have 30% of the land in the United States under federal control by 2030? Is he mortgaging the future of our nation for political expediency of the Democrat Party? There's a question to ask. I have grave concerns about that. Grave concerns. I had a Brigadier General, uh, Robert Spaulding, Join my show. It's been a couple years. He, he joined, I believe it was just before the pandemic broke out. He wrote a book about ch- the Chinese. And the Chinese, of course, have been basically manufacturing all of our staple goods, clothing, you know, most of them for, for decades now. Yep. Uh, we've, we've almost committed suicide in a sense by doing that, weakening our middle class as a result, in my opinion. Supply chain suicide. Mark, he said, Ian. The United States has been invaded by a stealth enemy. He's pointing a finger more towards the China way. But, Mark, I step back and I ask myself, well, hold on a second. The Chinese practice a central banking system as of 1945 at World War II. Or World War II. Uh, they also practice uh, communism. But communism is not incepted in China, nor was it incepted in Russia. And communism comes from Germany and Karl Marx. Uh, and, and the influences behind Karl Marx, I can get in that from my uh, uh, where that was influenced, in my opinion. So if I trace back through China and Russia, central bank communism, I find a I find a common thread with central banking system and communism. It roots right back to Europe, the same the same enemy, and I can explain that if you like. The same enemy no, that money, money the, changers. It's the money where changers. is this coming from? What is the stealth enemy in your view, Mark? I think it's it's, it's very biblical, quite frankly. It's um, the love of money is the enemy. And there are people who, once they accumulate enough, they reach a tipping point where they have undue influence over the world and undue influence over politics and the people. That's where we begin to see a breakdown of civil society. Because you move from a power, you know, God is sovereign over man, man is sovereign over government. Pretty simple concept. When you give up uh, a little bit of your power through consent, you don't give up all your power, you give up a little bit of your power. And you retain the authority to challenge the governing forces that you have given that little bit of power to. Check and balance. There's a lot more of us than there are of them. The problem is, when you begin to see the undue influence of large amounts of money upon all the people, by a very few people, you begin to see the distortion and the perversion of the civil society. That's what we're seeing now. I mean, you got guys like Bill Gates out there you know, buying up every ranch and farm you can find. Why is that? Sounds like it might be in lockstep with Joe Biden's plan to control 30% of then you got, all uh, the land. Then you got uh, Jeff Bezos, who wants to run every small amount of pop company out of business. 
and be the the only source of products and services. That means that uh, you're an eyelash away from people um, in in very wealthy circles having the authority to shut you down for banking, not allow you to buy food unless you admit to seeing the world their way. George Orwell was a very wise man. In 1984, we are living through 1984 right now. I think the real question is, <coughs> excuse me, what will the people do about it? Um, there's a great book that uh, I, I probably am an evangelist for. It's called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. It is the proper resistance to tyranny and the repudiation of unlimited obedience to a civil government. Every person in America should have a copy of this book. It talks about the school board member, the town council member, the fire district member. All those board members are lesser magistrates. The precinct committee men in Arizona, PCs are elected officials. They're the grassroots elected official in the state of Arizona. And a group of PCs can hold a governor accountable and put upon him a censure. Last year, over 60% of the PCs in the Republican Party censured Doug Ducey and Cindy McCain. Censured them for their behavior, for their failure to adhere to um, platform policy. They hate conservatives. They hate conservatives. They hate people like me. Because they want to be in the club, the control club. Is that control club possibly possibly behind this this fiat currency? Well, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. So you've got you've got the people who control fractional banking. First of all, that is the problem. Is the the love of money. And the, the way to invent a banking system where that which you would ordinarily end, lend one to one, yeah, you lend ten to one, yeah, which makes okay. zero which, sense. And this goes back, but it makes a little bit of sense because you always know that you're going to have there's assets out there that are performing, and each one is paying into into the system yeah. in the form of interest. But when you move from you know a ten to one architecture. To 101, 1,001, 10,001. It's not possible to pay that back if one of those entities defaults. And that starts a cascade effect. Unless, of course, you have a government that just prints fiat currency and says, we got plenty of money, don't worry about it. Passing a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. I guarantee you that money is not going to infrastructure. It is going to political friends. It is going to probably the Chinese. Our federal government has been compromised. We are fighting an insurgency. And God help us. Who's the enemy? The greedy. It's not hard to spot them. The greedy. The political class it has no interest in serving the people. They're serving their own financial objectives. 
Now, my hat's off to people like Jim Jordan. That's a good man. That is a good man. You got warriors like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, Paul Gosar. Andy Biggs. These are people who are disinterested in personal gain. Honest people. Who are there to stand up for civil rights. They're there to stand up for limited civil government. Uh, to keep government out of the way of people so that they can actually live their lives the way they choose. As opposed to the way some pencil neck bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. tells them they're going to have to live. So... Quite frankly, I wish we were a little bit further than we are from D.C., but we're about as far west as we can get. Now, there's been some people that have suggested maybe we need to move the capital to a central point in the United States. Oh, hell no. I don't want them any closer to us than they already are. The Federal Reserve Central Bank is, 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 is printing and has authorization to print this, this, this money. Is it, is, should, listeners, should listeners question the validity behind uh, this bank? And remember, Sabatini says it was unconstitutional. So if you look at section, or Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, which specifically gives Congress the power to coin, and it doesn't say print, it says coin, which, which go, coincides with the bill, it sounds like you passed here in Arizona, mm-hmm. to coin money. Uh, that was taken away in 1913 under Woodrow Wilson, where it gave a private institution. Yeah. The Federal Reserve Central Bank is not federal, as the name implies. It is a private institution. Uh, it, it's a private corporation. I wouldn't even call it an institution. It's a private corporation that is under contract with the U.S. government to supply currency and currency services. And to your point, what do they have backing the money that they put out. So the whole point of having a paper currency, if you look, uh, in fact, I've actually got two of them, uh, a a silver certificate. JFK. One dollar silver certificate. No, it even predates him. Abraham Lincoln? No, it's not that old. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this came out. But it says right at the top, silver certificate. Good for one dollar worth of silver. That means that that bill represents hard currency on deposit someplace. Now, of course, that's long since been, uh, you had to turn those in. And, yeah. Okay, it's evidence that at one time this country had, um, I think, reserves. Uh, reserves and was able to link the value of a piece of paper to something of real value. Okay. We don't have that anymore. Now we have full faith and credit. More credit than faith. But we have the full faith and credit of the federal government to say, it's a note. Look at the top of that bill. <coughs> it says a note. Well, you know what a note is, right? Yeah, it's a debt. It's a receipt. Evidence of debt. It's like, well, when I present this, I'll get what it says there's value to. Well, it depends on who you present it to. If I present that that $100 bill to uh, somebody here at this event and I get a ticket in exchange, well, now they're holding the debt and I've got something real. That's how this game works. All you're doing is you're shuffling debt around. And at some point, whoever, uh, I I think it's uh, somewhat amusing, um, the uber wealthy, all they're doing is accumulating debt. 
They're accumulating notes. Really? You think that's going to work for you? That's not a plan. That is not a plan. So that's, you know, a shameless plug for United Precious Metals Association, upma.org. They actually are in the business of converting greenbacks into real money. Gold, silver, uh, something called goldbacks, which um, kind of an ingenious idea came out of uh, Utah. In denominations that are extremely thin ribbons of gold that are between sandwich and plastic, but they have real value because they're real money. They're real gold. It's real metal. Yeah. So I think they come in uh, one thousandth ounce, one hundredth, one tenth. I think there might be one fiftieth, one fiftieth. Um, and and it's there are people who will exchange those. And there is a, an exchange economy that's growing um, where you can even have a credit card that is gold or silver denominated, um, which I have. If things go sideways with the explosive debt of paper money, I've at least checked inflation with holdings of real money. Because no matter what happens, here's how I explain it. I explained it with uh, Dr. Ron Paul when he came to um, advocate for the bill. If you get an ounce of gold today for $1,000, and tomorrow it takes $1,200 to get that same ounce of gold, what fell in value? The gold? No, the paper. The paper. Because it takes 200 more copies to buy the same thing. I shouldn't say buy, to obtain the same thing. At the same time, if tomorrow that same ounce of gold were 800 greenbacks, what went up in value? The gold. The paper. Took less of it to buy. The gold stayed the same. It was the value of the paper that rose inside. So, my advice to folks, you know, I, I, I don't care where you go. The supposed value. Well, it's a fictitious value. I yeah. mean, it's, the, you know, the paper is what whatever people, whatever a seller of gold is willing to accept. Yeah. In exchange for their gold. Okay. Now, you know, if somebody wants to do business with me back and forth with gold happy to do that. And I'm, I've loaned folks some, uh, uh, there's a gold lease out there right now that we've got that's going to pay uh, 3% over a year. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty healthy return these days, especially when it's paid in gold, not in greenbacks. It's for the use of the gold as a collateral item. Okay, part of my retirement. I'm good with that. Does the... Uh does the U.S. government have any gold reserve? I mean, 71, Nixon abolished the gold standard. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't believe them if they said they did. I have no idea what the U.S. government really has. I know they got a printing machine. It's run by the Federal Reserve. It's just kind of like Federal Express. It's got nothing to do with the federal government. It's just a catchy phrase that made it look like. That's that simulacra. Deception. Thing. 
I think it is deceptive. It is deceptive. When it says Federal Reserve note, it's evidence of debt that the Federal Reserve is carrying based upon instruments from the U.S. government. You look at the U.S. government bank uh, um, balance sheet, they're broke. Yeah. They're basing everything on future tax receipts. Now, I don't think you really want to get deep into economic theory and all that, but it sounds like suicide to me. Suffice it to say, I think it is it is financial suicide what we're engaged in. And it is evidence that the Democrat Party, in my view, is an ongoing criminal organization. They are intent in destroying the U.S. economy. And they know it. They know it. How does how does that equate, Mark? Are they are they are they are they working in cahoots with the United Nations? What's what's in, what's what, how would I, they how would they want to destroy America? What's well, in it for I them to do I, that? I don't know what their motivation is, other than the fact that they they preach self loathing, uh, they they preach America is a, a hateful white privileged nation. Yeah, um, that's all BS that comes out of the, the Frankfurt School of Thought critical race theory and all that. All that is a bunch of garbage. At the end of the day, if I want to give you money for something you have but you want to get rid of, and we come to a meeting of the minds, that's the real economy. It's not the printing of money to uh, do favors for people. It's not the endless wars that suck the guts out of this nation's economy. We've elected people into federal offices and even in some state offices that have no business being anywhere near the seat of power because they're willing to sell their soul. It's one of the reasons I'm running for Secretary of State in the state of Arizona. We have got to take back control over our government and remind bureaucrats and electeds alike God is sovereign over man, man is sovereign over government. Every person who serves in government, if you're not there to serve, you need to go find another job. You do not belong anywhere near the seat of power. As we close down here, Mark, uh, I look at the state of Arizona, similar, I look at the state of Texas, and unfortunately, the state of California and New Mexico, and all of these states were once part of the Mexican Union. They left the Mexican Union for corruption. They wanted to become sovereign entities. They became sovereign entities. And, uh, and, and eventually, as we know, they became absorbed into, into what we know as the United States of America. Uh, but these countries are, are the, I just said countries, the, these well, states. We are nation states, by the way. We are nation states, all 50 of us. That is the federal form of government. We are nation states. When we formed a government with 13 colonies, they became states first. And they said, we'll give up a little bit of our power to a national government for mutual protection, enforcement of treaties, 
facilitation of commerce. Nation states granted statehood to more nation states. If that were not so, why would the state of Arizona, the state of Texas, I'm sorry, the Republic of Texas, why would they have their own constitution if they weren't? Right. They don't have a national government. Federal government. Fifty nation states. All combined. Now, we tasted freedom. The European Union, which tried to pull together uh, a simulation of the United States, those people never knew freedom. They've always been subjects of somebody. We're not subjects of We're citizens. Sovereign states. Now, that might offend some people on the left. Oh, sovereign citizens? No, you really are. I mean, the definition of that is you're a free man, free woman, and you have the ability to make decisions for yourself and say no to your government. That's sovereignty. People in Europe, they don't have that. People in Australia, the ones going to concentration camps because they refuse the jab. They don't have that for their subjects. Some closing thoughts here, Mark, and I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining the program. Um, what's, uh, first off, what's your next battle? You're running for Secretary of State. Secretary of State. Um, the, uh, we've got one more session left for the legislature that I'm a part of. We've got three critical um, election bills that have to get across the finish line. One has to do with ballot fraud countermeasures. In fact, we're uh, putting together a national bus tour that will make three stops in Florida. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Jacksonville, uh, Miami, and Tampa, I think, are the scheduled cities so far. Might swing through Tallahassee as well. We expect to hit 26 states in a little over four months. That'll start with uh, McAllen, Texas. Wow. January, last weekend in January, I think that's the 28th through the 30th. That'll be the, the kickoff event. Um, people will, can go get tickets to that if they want at WFFA.com. Um, there will be a ticketing engine there that uh, they can either make a donation or they can um, you know, purchase a ticket. And then the itinerary, we're still putting it together, but the itinerary, like I say, is going to be covering about 26 states, and we're just going to make a huge loop around the country. But it's evangelizing the idea. Sonny could be part of it. Sonny may be part of it. Um, he'll he'll be there when I'm not, uh, because this is going to be while we're in session. Okay. But it'll be evangelizing things like uh, the the idea of ballot fraud countermeasures, watermarks on ballots, audit trail, the ability to see the, the image of your ballot after you've cast it. What a novel idea. Um, you know, paper ballots, hand counting. Get rid of the electronic machines. Uh, they're not trustworthy. And then, of course, you know, positive ID for the people who are voting. You've got to have a right to vote. If you don't have a right to vote, you don't have the right to nullify somebody else's vote. What do we do when 
the federal government advocates its responsibility for protecting our borders? How do we rescue children that are being shoved into uh, cartel-operated child rape rings? Um, how do we how do we address you know the, the fentanyl and the drugs that are pouring across our border? And those are policy issues. You can have all the technology in the world without the policy that allows Border Patrol and law enforcement to really go after this stuff. I can make a difference. But that's the purpose of the tour, is to help people understand the doctrine of lesser magistrate and that they can do something and to give them 10 actionable steps on what they can do to, to rein back in this this civil government that they, that is just a run amok. Secretary of State thing, um, if people want to learn more about me and would like to donate to Why, the why that office? <laughs> The Secretary of State is an interesting office. It's not a sexy job. In fact, it's probably, in state government, it's one of the jobs that has the most work associated with it. But that is the guardian over election integrity. Hmm. And you know, looking around at the people who are involved in government, it's been asked of me, do you know any, of anybody that you would trust in order to do the job that would satisfy you? And my response to that my response to that is no. So I guess if I can't find anybody that I'd be satisfied with, I guess I just signed up for a job. <laughs> so the people can learn more about me at uh, votefincham.com. That's V-O-T-E-F-I-N-C-H-E-M, like Mark, dot com. Click on the news tab and you'll see every interview I've ever done. Probably the most transparent candidate on the campaign trail. Sounds great, Mark. Sounds sounds like a winner, and uh, I look forward to keeping tabs of this tour that's going to be started. All right. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it.